What's up? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It's Monday. You know what that means. I got another conversation with Jonathan lined up. This time we are talking about recruiting, bringing on new talent, how we're thinking about filling roles in the process for doing that at the Juice. It's not easy. You're going to hear it from Jonathan. It's one of his top priorities. We got some new people joining. More to come there. If you like what we've been doing on the podcast, if you're a listener, shout out. Thank you for joining the 3C Podcast, listening in regularly. It's awesome. We need more of you. Tell your friends. But also, you can hit that subscribe button. Leave me a review. Tell me how I'm doing. I do appreciate that. If you're not signed up for our wait list, you're not getting our newsletter of hand-picked, curated content that the Juice team is bringing to you. You can do that. Find the link in the show notes or go to thejuicehq.com. Drop your email and you'll get that. We appreciate your support and we appreciate you. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. All right, everybody, welcome back. Jonathan, we're talking about bringing on some support. I know we've got a new sales individual starting on the team here this week that the um, this will go live. And then also, I know a topic of conversations just been expanding the team out. So a lot of ground to cover. I'm sure you've got a, a lot of thoughts, uh, but how are you doing this morning? Or I guess it's around lunchtime as I record this. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. It's um, Everything's going well. We're off to a quick start this week. Uh, I'm coming back from a long weekend, kind of took a quick extended weekend after the board meeting, which was nice to just unplug and recharge and come back with full steam uh, this week before uh, we kind of make a sprint to our beta launch and product launch here this summer. So uh, the break, I'm trying to think about this. So I've been working at the Juice for since January 4th, I think was my start date. And during that time, I'm not sure I had a little Florida break, which was nice. I'm not sure you've taken too many breaks. You've been kind of busy leading the charge. How was taking the break? Was it nice to get away? Did you feel like you could unplug? Talk to me about how you felt when you were away from a business that's about ready to launch. Yeah, it was it was honestly great. It's something we're trying to build into our culture is empowering all the employees to take take advantage of the unlimited PTO. We recorded a previous podcast on that. So the expectation is everyone takes at least three weeks throughout the year and then unlimited on top of that. But so, you know, it, I think it would have been very easy for me to say, no, I can't take, can't take a vacation. Like we're leading up to launch, but uh, kind of tried to treat it as exact the opposite. And it was honestly, I was planning to, I'm not one that's very good, maybe unsurprisingly at unplugging uh, just naturally. I, I enjoy working. I don't know, maybe that's sick and twisted, but I kind of like staying at least in the know while I'm away. So I, I anticipate this is kind of my first vacation as leading this business uh, with other team members on board. So I was anticipating like you know, keeping a closer eye on everything and still being kind of plugged in. Uh, and I, I was looking forward to that. But honestly, the team uh, did such a good job, which I, I appreciate and respect of kind of managing their own business and working through everything on their own that I ended up unplugging like pretty hard, which was was nice and um, great. And 
Uh, you know, played a, a little bit of catch up on email Sunday evening, Monday morning, but felt like I was able to pick up pace real quickly. And um, I, I do, I feel re-energized and recharged. And I think that just shows how important it is that top down uh, you're encouraging people to take, take the breaks they need. I, I, uh, I don't, I, we're going to move off this topic, but before we do, I have noticed that just on LinkedIn specifically in my feed, there's been a lot of conversations regarding not just time off, but just co- companies post pandemic or getting on the other side of this. Um, you know, and there's been a lot of thoughts around, I've seen the, the headline that hits is like the nine to five is over. And I think, you know, the, this last year has certainly taught everyone something, right? Like there is, different ways to get your work done in different environments under differing circumstances. And at the end of the day, from my personal use case, it's like, I kind of like the structure of the, uh, you know, starting early ending at, you know, five 30 timeframe, trying to unplug during the evenings. That's kind of works for me. And then I get reset and do it again. And, but one thing I've realized is just like, I don't necessarily need the structure of an office environment right now to do that. Would that be nice at some point? Maybe for sure. But I think we're all trying to evaluate like what is the best way that we can work and get our stuff done and push our companies forward in our roles. Like I know we're on the like early stages and we're going to talk about people growth. We're on the early stages of that, but how in this interesting period uh, for companies trying to figure it out post pandemic, like how have you, how have you thought about that? Like, what are some of the thoughts going on in your head? Yeah, it's a good question. It's a loaded question. Um, I don't know the answer exactly, but I think I've probably referenced this book uh, previously on this podcast, but uh, the No Rules Rules, it's the Netflix story with Reed Hastings and uh, Aaron Meyer. Uh, It talks about talent density and then just like ultimate trust in your people so that you can be as transparent as possible with them and ultimately, you know, give them unlimited time off. And so that's, that's my whole thing is like, we've got an awesome team. I trust all of them. Like take the time, like, especially now, like post pandemic, I feel like this is something we've talked about as a team is like, I think we all have earned the right to take maybe more significant travel time and time away from work this summer, this fall, this year, uh, than, you know, as we've all kind of have this, uh, ultimate case of cabin fever from the last 12, 14, 16 months that, I want, like, I, I want to be able to do that personally. Right. So it's important that I let the employees and set the employees up to be able to do that comfortably. It's important. Uh, myself and Eric, our co-founder are setting that example. And, you know, if, if something, and there's just ultimate trust until something breaks or doesn't work the way it's supposed to, but I think we've got a talented team and they all care greatly about each other and what we're building. And so they're going to make sure everything's set up for success while they're gone and then hopefully be able to unplug and recharge and come back with more energy and more enthusiasm towards the the vision that we're working on. So I think it's a win-win for everybody involved as long as we're all taking care of business. For sure. And I think one of the big things in, that we're going to talk about is just talent, bringing on new talent, growing the team with a bunch of smart people to help push the company forward. I think we're in this period of time where I know you're feeling it from, from just conversations we've had internally, but just one of the hardest things right now is 
acquiring new talent to join your team and getting bright people on board that will help change the trajectory of your business. I know you have a rock that you you uh, instituted this quarter. What is it? Your uh, no open job rules for, is it 30 or 45 days? I 45 remember. days. I gave myself just a little bit of cushion, but um, yeah, it's it's been uh, time intensive and labor intensive to this point in the business, but it's always worked out. This was a uh, Sorry, Brad. I don't know if you got to your question, but I'm going to go. That's it. No, you're jumping in. I love it. This is I'm going to start ranting here. Um, it's It's been the most challenging part of the business in terms of it's been, there's been more friction. It's been slower, a little bit more laborious than I anticipated to this point, but it's always, it's worked out well. That was the message I've given in the board meeting is like, this has been really hard, but like, look at our team, it's working. So maybe it's just supposed to be really hard into the future, right? I don't want to sacrifice speed or I don't want to sacrifice the talent uh, of our team for the sake of speed. Right. But um, it, it's the, there's kind of like two paradoxes. I don't know if paradoxes is a word, but the two paradox of hiring that I have felt is one, you know, I, I've got people in my network that I would absolutely love to work with, but also have to be fiscally responsible at this stage. So how do you, how do you leverage the, the talent of your network with the constraints of a uh, pre-seed business. And the other paradox is like, you need to hire somebody because you're so busy, right? Like to take some stuff off of your plate because, but because there's so much on your plate, you don't have time to dedicate it towards the recruiting efforts. So it's like this interesting balance. And that's why I actually made it a rock for this quarter is uh, no open positions for longer than 45 days. Um, we have a few right now that um, we've we've gotten kind of knocked down and I can kind of shift my attention to another open role. Uh, but it, that's just a way to hold me accountable to the team and to our board and our stakeholders that, hey, recruiting is in fact a top priority. I am spending time on it every single day, every single week. Um, and honestly, just a way to hold myself accountable to that. You know, you hear the tales of great CEOs, they're, they're the best recruiters. And so uh, trying to live up to that benchmark that's been set by so many others ahead of me. Yeah, I have up until you uh, were describing it, I had never really thought about it. But it, it to me, it's honestly like a lot of companies hire and it's kind of like this, um, you know, inbound approach, right? I'm comparing it to marketing, because that's what I do. Um, <laughs> where you, you, you put something out and you, you, open up a bunch of job recs and you take a lot of people in quickly and you push them through onboarding. And then, you know, out of the 10 people that you just brought on board, like maybe you'll have five by the, by that time next year, like two might leave because of another, they did, they weren't fits, maybe two left because of bad performance or was asked to leave. And one person, you know, just quit showing up. I don't know, complete <laughs> hypothetical. But then you've got this other approach that is more ABM specific, where you're like, okay, here are the roles that we need. Here are the skills that we need in those roles. This might take longer. It's like the enterprise sale. It might take longer, but like it's going to be worth it on the other side when we nurture these relationships and can sell them on the value of our company in their current position, in their career, and in life. So that's something interesting in just hearing you talk through it that stood out to me is that, yeah, you're kind of taking like this ABM approach, but you're also maybe taking, holding yourself to accountable to some timelines to make sure that 
it's being full and it's not just sitting outstanding for, you know, 30 days or 60 days, 90 days, 120 days, that sort of thing. Well, and especially at this stage uh, where there's, there's admittedly a lot of mystery around what we're doing, you know, we're pre-product. Uh, we've got some beta customers, but um, you know, we're not a, you know, 50 million ARR business. Like there's not a ton of information out there about us. Although there's, there's some, if you do your homework, like it's a little bit of a sales process too, right? They're I think you're, and I, I think recruiting always is, but especially at this stage, you have to sell them on, uh, you know, kind of the vision as well as the opportunity and how those things can come together and the growth potential. And so it, it's a, it's as much of them interviewing us as it is us interviewing them. So it is just a very um, time in- intensive and detail oriented, very in-depth conversations, often multiple conversations, introducing to multiple people. But again, it's worked out well to this point. So uh, we're going to keep doing that until it it stops working. But um, we're excited about where we're heading with our team. We're going to talk about Kate. Before we do that, I I want to get your feedback on this, uh, something we talked about at the beginning of this conversation to this like sales process that is recruiting. How have you found, or maybe you haven't found, but you're thinking about it, as you're trying to recruit, bring in people to fill roles that we need, how are you thinking about painting this picture for them about the fact that, yes, there's a part of the recruiting process where we need to tell you what we're doing, our product, like what, what the mission is of our company, but then how are you trying to let people know that like, yeah, like the way we're working over the last you know year has changed we're trying to make sure that like people coming in have work in an environment that fits their needs. Are you finding that like is an important conversation you're having potentially earlier in the process? And and if so, like what, what types of conversations are you having on that front? We are. So what's interesting is, you know, at this stage and myself, you know, being a marketer, now we've got two marketers and yourself and Elena on the team, the positions I'm recruiting for aren't a marketer. So I think you know, I, with a client success candidate, for instance, you know, I I was very upfront with them. I was like, if you're looking for a CSM mentor, uh, I'm not that person, right? Like you are going to be the CS like representative for the business. We're going to be, I'm going to be learning from you. Um, That's not where I have a ton of experience. Now I will work side by side with you and figuring this out and what it means in our business and in our, our space. But again, I, I'm not the person like you can't come in and expect me to tell you everything you need to know. Like there's you're going to have to have an ability to learn, to adapt on the fly and, and deal with some ambiguity at this stage. I always I think I, I tweeted this out a few weeks ago, like the people I love to hire. And it's I've kind of found almost coincidental throughout my hiring career, even at previous stops is people who have side hustles. I think that shows people who are like ambitious and willing to uh, try new things, learn new things. You're obviously an example of that. Check out stacking slabs, everybody. Um, I love to hire athletes. I think those are the people who understand the uh, practice of putting in the reps, um, you know, failing some and then just getting better over time. Uh, and then former athletes who have side hustles would be the uh, Vin, the very uh, basic Venn diagram of that. But um, I, I think it just shows like at this stage, you have to have this ability to learn on the fly and, and know that uh, my, 
I, we are all going to learn from you. You're going to own a function of the business at this stage. So we'll learn from you. But if that goes well, uh, it'll grow beneath you. You're just a sports junkie, Jonathan. We all You're know not that. wrong. <laughs> okay. So we have a new team member coming on board. Kate, director of sales role. We're all excited. I'd love, and maybe we'll just hold everybody accountable for this, but I know she's onboarding next week. Maybe we can get her on the podcast to talk about her experience and why she joined the juice. I think that would be fun, but obviously, you know, a lot of companies start off in sales is one of the first hires. Interesting with the juice, a bunch of marketers came on board, then product engineer and now sales. First, before we jump into Kate specifically, like talk to me about the process for finding the right person to help be the first sales hire out of the gates because you are the one doing all of the sales primarily at this point. Yeah. So we had been executing on founder sales. Um, I was actually, I was enjoying it. I always had a suspicion uh, in my marketing past that I would enjoy sales. And that proved to be true. I think it was emphasized by the fact that I was talking to marketers, marketer selling to marketers. And I think that was part of what made it successful as well as I could empathize with them. Uh, I could speak their language, et cetera. So when I started to look for a uh, sales you know, account executive, sales leader, uh, whatever the, the title may be, I wanted somebody who, again, I could learn from, from a sales perspective, you know, full life cycle, because at this stage, they're going to have to handle everything, but had a understanding or at least an appreciation for the MarTech space, because I think that's part of what's made founder sales successful is uh, marketer talking to marketer. So I didn't want to venture too far away from that and was just like at the top of the list, uh, <laughs> there was somebody that checked a lot of those boxes and, uh, we're fortunate to be bringing them onto the team and, and Kate. And so just really excited to learn from her up level, some of the foundation that we've built, probably rebuild some of that foundation with her, but she's got a ton of great experience in the MarTech space. She was in the publishing space even before that. And I've, I were to think of an industry that's somewhat adjacent to what we're doing, but not in tech, it's certainly publishing. So, so excited to bring her on board, learn from her and uh, build on some of the momentum that the team is creating. Yeah, I think, I think that's exciting. You know, one of the things you, you mentioned there that I hadn't thought about it up until recently, um, I was actually, when I was talking with Brian Rance at Cordial, he asked me a question. We got into this, but just like the importance of industry and where you work and that matters a lot. And I think it matters for like, not only like skills, speaking the language, but just like staying power within a business. Like the more you understand how an industry works and the more you care about it, the more success you probably will have. And so I think that being a qualifier for you in pursuing someone is a good one because that I think is a, a person role fit thing that doesn't get talked about enough. I agree. I, you and I have spoke about this. You were in the K-12 space. I was in the healthcare space. If it's, I don't know if it's fair of me to say, but I, I know for myself and I, I think uh, reading between the lines for you, those aren't spaces we're necessarily like deeply passionate about. I think cared greatly about, but not maybe where our passions lie. And I think we've, we've maybe learned from that and are now both loving the marketing space where we are both deeply passionate. I, you know, it's interesting. I think 
everyone at the juice will again, have to at least have an appreciation for marketing. Um, and I think where that's going to be tough is on the developer or more technical side, where a lot of times they kind of view marketing as this manipulative tactic, if you will. Um, and now our own uh, developer and co-founder have told us as much, but it's fun to watch them kind of buy into what we're building and like starting to believe and even talk like marketers. We, we had an instance earlier this week where we called Tony, our, our lead engineer, a, uh, he started talking like a marketer and he got called out on it, which was awesome and just fun to see the evolution of the team. But I think if you don't, uh, again, at least have an appreciation for marketing and you come to the juice, you're going to either find that appreciation or find that it's maybe not the right place for you. I, I would guess pretty quickly, but so far we are uh, five for five on those hires. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm wondering if Eric is building the plan yet for when Tony transitions to <laughs> our, our head of our head of content. <laughs> I could, Tony, Tony needs a podcast appearance at some point. It, it'll happen. It's, it, this, it's a, uh, you, I, I know my audience and I know Tony, it's going to, it takes a little while. So it's, we got to warm them up. We got to like warm it. them up, but we'll get them on here. Let's close out with this. So you talked about like the perception of marketing there and like, especially internally with our product and engineer team, how, you know, it, it's, they viewed and they're warming up to it as marketing is like this manipulative thing. I think, I mean, we're talking sales, bringing a new salesperson on. Obviously, our industry that we work in, sales has a label and a connotation. So many people are used to going through the same rigid sales process that is built for companies and their metrics and not for the decisions and the choice and the best interests of the audience. So I think, you know, we have as a business have tried to be as mindful as possible that we know that that whole content customer experience that leads to a bad pushy sales experience is kind of dated. I'd love to maybe kind of close with just getting your perspective on just have you thought about adding a salesperson into the mix and avoiding falling into the trap that we've all worked in or seen before? Yeah, I've thought a lot about it. As I mentioned earlier, I think a, a part of our founder-led sales success to this point has been our ability to empathize with the marketer. So now how do we have a sales, uh, a director of sales, uh, have those conversations with the marketer and still be able to empathize with them? Kate, based on her experience, I think it's going to be able to do that really well, which is a big reason we're excited for her. But it is interesting, you know, as, as we talk about as a team, going against some of the old B2B marketing tactics. Some of those are obviously tied very closely to sales tactics or lead into sales tactics. And there, there have been conversations internally where we really want to do something and we're like, oh shit, we can't do that. That's exactly what we say we don't do, right? Like we have had, we have ran like for lack of a better term, we've backed ourselves into those corners occasionally, but those are, that's what we want. We want that. We, if we're not feeling uncomfortable and kind of how we're pushing the boundaries in the B2B marketing space. And I, I don't think we're doing what we set out to do. So it'll be, that'll, you know, tie directly into sales. Like how do we talk about a consumer centric world, but still have very um, sales led conversations or how do we, you know, turn conversations into 
transactional in a good way, not in a bad way, but, you know, how do we, how do we talk about contracts? How do we talk about renewals? How do we, um, you know, do cold outreach in a way that's more humane than it's been done in the past in the B2B marketing space. Those, those are all things we'll have to think through and work through. And once our product is live, we'll certainly use our product to do some of those things, which will be awesome. We'll use the content collaboration that you're doing to do some of those things. So again, it's all about kind of pushing the boundaries and making ourselves a little uncomfortable along the way. And that'll lead to us learning what works and what doesn't work. And then hopefully sharing that with our prospects and customers. Yep. I love it. And I love how the fact that we call bullshit on ourselves when, when we do start talking about something, because at this point, like we've only got our reputation and we've got the brand that we're building and we can't take one quick fix or one quick thing that we think is going to do a lot for us that might jeopardize what we've built um, so far. And we uh, we're holding ourselves accountable. So, and I am, I'm, I've been the most guilty of that. I want to be very clear. I like, it has been you and Elena calling me out on when I'm thinking like an old school B2B marketer that I was once upon a time and still have some of those old bad habits. And it's, it's been fun and part of the culture we're building where you guys can call bullshit on what I'm saying. And uh, we end up doing something that's way better. So still lots of learning to do. And unlearning. So, you know, so I've got to plug it because we're talking about jobs and hiring. So here's my headline for working at the juice. If you're, if you're interested in working for a company where you can call bullshit on your CEO, come check us out. There you go. And it'll happen early and often. Be ready and be prepared. All right, man. Well, we're excited to uh, bring Kate on board. I have to get her on the pod to chat about her and her experience, but we'll talk soon. Talk soon, Brett. Hope you liked that episode. How are you thinking about bringing on new talent in this environment? Would love to hear from you. Drop me a line at Indy McGrath on Twitter. Slide into the DMs if you've been liking what you've been hearing on the show. We appreciate the support. Enjoy your week. Get off to a good start. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We'll be back on Friday, like always, with another conversation with a content marketer that matters. 